Growing a small business has never been easy. So, how can we build our companies and shortcut the learning curve? By getting advice from the people who've done it before. Everything you need to grow your business is right here. I'm Simon Lader. Welcome to the conference room. Good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. I'm joined by Kylie Lang. Kylie is a sales funnel strategist and the pioneer of the fab factor. She works with creatives and coaches to grow their email list, get more leads and build a sustainable business that generates consistent income using the power of automated sales funnels. Kylie ran her digital course company for nearly 14 years. And fast forward to 2021, she's had multiple six-figure launches and seen her email list increase by over 700% by creating highly converting sales funnels. Now, she's attributed much of her success to a framework called the Fab Factor that builds an emotional connection with clients and helps them to take that next step. And I'm delighted to say that she's joining us right here in the conference room. Kylie, good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. Oh, wow. What a wonderful intro. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's a genuine, genuine pleasure. So all heroes have an origin story and you're the hero of our story. I am just overwhelmed with curiosity as to how (laughs) you came to, first of all, getting into the digital course world, what you learned over those sort of 14 years that inspired you to create the Fab Factor and to become this sales funnel expert. So tell me what's your origin story? Okay, so I've had a couple of different careers, but essentially it all began with starting life in the wedding industry. And I had a company in London that I ran for just over 10 years as a wedding planner, stylist, designer. I had a business partner who did various different things as well, such as kids parties, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, you name it, we did any type of event. And that's kind of where my grounding came from. And then I fell in love, got married, emigrated to Australia with my Aussie husband. And that's when I sold my business, uh, my first business. And it was at that point where I kind of sat back and went, right, I'm now halfway across the world. I'm in Australia. Um, I don't know anybody other than my husband and his family. What to do now? And I realized I didn't want to start another business in the event industry, mainly because anybody that knows the events industry will know that your entire business is built around your suppliers, your team, your vendors. And I didn't know anyone over there in the industry. So it was a case of what do I do now? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a year off and just chill. Well, three weeks into that, I was bored senseless. And it was kind of from there that the idea of starting some kind of course to do with wedding planning all started to, you know, ferment, shall we say. And from there, I did actually start my first course company. I had no idea what I was doing. I've never taught before in my life. But having started a business um, and run it successfully, doing many, 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 many events over 10 years, I figured, you know, I must have something to give. And there was nobody doing it. Nobody was selling courses in wedding planning. Enter Kylie. And so I started this course and sort of a couple of months into writing it, I realized I was getting really bored. I didn't know what to do. It just wasn't happening for me. 
So I thought, I need something to inspire me and motivate me. So I thought, I know what, I need some students on the course that'll motivate me to finish the damn thing. So I did, I started selling it. And it did motivate me because as they were finishing off one unit, I was finishing off the next one they were about to go on to. So talk about motivating. It was not the way I would suggest you do it. But having said that, for everybody that procrastinates, it's a really good way to just go, you know what, sod it, I'm going to put it out there and just go for it. Anyway, that was 14 years ago. And my first course was sent out in a big A4 envelope through Australia Post, I would queue up in Officeworks, put all the information into the envelope, trot off to Australia Post and send it out. Obviously, things have changed. So there has been a massive, massive learning curve taking what was essentially a distance learning paper-based course and turning it into a digital course. And what we've done since then is we now have six courses in various different parts of the world. We launched in New Zealand, then in the UK, we launched in North America. We then went into Spain and had a Spanish version of the course put out there. And then finally in the Middle East. So we literally just embraced the whole digital side of things. And that was back in about 2013 when we really just motored. And from there, I really learned about marketing, not just marketing, but digital marketing, email marketing, how to build a relationship with people that you don't actually physically see. Because in those days, selling online uh, was still fairly new. It was only really the big boys that were doing it. It hadn't reached the heights of which it's reached now. So you were constantly having to come up with the next new thing to be seen, to be heard, to be found. And that's basically how I came across sales funnels. And at first, I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never put a lead magnet before, you know, together before. And this was back in around 2014 when I designed my first lead magnet. And then I stumbled across various different lead magnets, quizzes being one of the main ones, and designed my first quiz. And it just absolutely went off the chart. Within a year, we generated 14,000 leads just by using our quiz, which was huge. And obviously from there, I've learned how to make it more like a well-oiled machine. We've made lots of mistakes, learned from those mistakes, implemented fixes, etc. And it got to a point where my digital course company was running like a well-oiled machine. So the challenge had gone for me. And I was getting approached by different people asking me to help them do what I was doing. And that's where the sales funnel side of things came into it and where I developed my own little system and formula called the Fab Factor, which I make everybody do (laughs) before they go through their creating their own sales funnel. And that pretty much brings you up to date. So it's been quite a journey. Wow, no, absolutely. (laughs) Just sort of casting your mind back when you were, as you say, stuffing envelopes in Australia Post and it was still the kind of paper-based course. How were you actually selling that course then? Do you remember a thing called Yellow Pages? (laughs) The big yellow book? Yeah, it was literally adverts in Yellow Pages and networking, good old-fashioned networking. So I had to really start to network with a lot of wedding suppliers because what I found when I did my research was that people that wanted to become wedding planners were approaching either other wedding planners or people within the industry asking how they got started, what could they do, where could they go? 
naturally, I wanted people to recommend me. And that was when I came up with my very basic form of affiliate marketing. It was, you recommend me, I'll give you 50 bucks. And it was that basic. So (laughs) it was, when I think back at it, it was affiliate marketing at its most grassroots level. And that's what I had. I had people recommending me to anybody that would ask them, you know, how do I get into the wedding industry? And that's how it started really taking on a life of its own, shall we say that in yellow pages <laughs> because there was no such thing as social media then I was still on dial-up when we first started up dial-up internet there was no such thing as you know 5g or fiber <laughs> absolutely and you made a remark earlier I just want to come back on when you said that your first kind of foray into this you were sort of writing the courses and just keeping pace with the people that were yes. doing them right and you said you wouldn't necessarily recommend doing it and it's interesting because there are some gurus says Simon yeah. wiggling his fingers in the air that talk about selling a course before you've even created it on the Absolutely. It's not for the faint-hearted. No, and I agree with you. And I have certainly recommended to certain people to do that, but only under the conditions of you being able to cope with the pressure of that. So it's not for the faint-hearted is what I would say. It works for me because of my personality type. Not everybody is that sort of person. And I think when you're in business, you have to understand the type of person you are and play to your strengths and weaknesses. And for me, one of my strengths is being able to operate incredibly well under pressure. Now, not everybody is able to do that. I do think that running a beta version of your course for anybody is a really good idea. You know, getting 10 people to come through a course for a very reduced price in exchange for testimonials, feedback, et cetera, et cetera, is a very strong way to go about it. But absolutely, I'm about to launch another course fairly soon, which I will not be creating until I've got people on board. I will create it as I go along. And I think something else you've got to bear in mind is as long as you know and understand your subject matter really well, then absolutely you can do it. But again, it does come down to pressure because you've got to deliver each week. Now, that's not to say that you don't have your structure planned out. You absolutely do. You need to have worked out what are those modules going to be? How is it going to work? What am I going to put together? Are there going to be any bonuses? Are there going to be any extra trainings? Is it all going to be live? What am I going to do afterwards? Am I then going to take that content and pre-record it and then sell it on again? So there's all these different things that you need to consider. But ultimately, I agree with them. I think it's an excellent way to go about launching a course because otherwise you hold yourself back from actually putting yourself out there and selling something. You procrastinate. Everybody does it. And you spend all the time getting ready and none of the time actually doing the stuff. And Mm. that's the problem. That's in its most basic form. It's a bit like getting ready to go out for a night out. More often than not, we spend hours and hours and hours getting ready. We don't necessarily want to go out at the end of the day and it never works out quite the same. Whereas if we'd have just gone for it, gone to the pub as we were, had a really good time, it would have been a different scenario. So I kind of liken it to that a little bit. Um, no, 100%. You remind me of my teenage years where many Saturday nights were spent deciding what we were going to do on Saturday night. Exactly. <laughs> and then it became, let's just go to the multiplex, see what's on and go see something. Anyway, let's talk about sales funnels. So let's start off by just defining what a sales funnel actually is. It's really simple. At the end of the day, a sales funnel is literally a way to take somebody from point A to point B. So point A being the first time they come across you, to point B being where they're receiving regular communication from you. It is that 
simple. So in order for you to be able to get them to that point, you have to create something of value for them, something that's going to give them a quick win, something that's going to make them go, ooh, happy to give my name and email address for that. That is the beginning point of your sales funnel. The middle point is where you actually deliver on whatever it is that you've promised them. And then the end point is where you drip feed them with nurture emails to build the no like trust factor and actually get them to the point where they might be considering working with you, buying your product, whatever it might be. It's that simple. It's not actually a complicated thing. We make it more complicated than it is. There's various different things you can do to make all bells and whistles. But essentially, point A to point B is really what it is. A way of moving people from one point to another. So when you talk about sales funnels, are you necessarily talking about, we've all seen them, where you come to a landing page, you know, you see something on the internet, an, an ad on, or on wherever, you click on it, or you click on an email, you go to a landing page, and then that landing page has one single call to action that then takes you to a second landing page that says, oh, well, if you want to buy this for $17 or $7 or any number, <laughs> any with the $7, then here's, you know, if you're going to buy that, we're going to give you this one-time special offer of, yeah. you know, another four or five different things. And then if you say, yeah, I'd, I'd like to have that as well, then they take you to a final thing to say, actually, do you want these one or two bolt-ons as well? So what starts off with, I'm just going to buy, you know, the loaf of bread, then becomes, yeah, I'm also going to buy the butter, the jelly and the cheese. And then I'm also going to buy a $200 toaster as well. All right. Is yeah. that what you're talking about as far as the sales funnel is concerned? Or are you talking about everything that leads to that point? Okay, so yes, that is one form of sales funnel. It's a very specific sales funnel. Those sort of sales funnels have what you've described is a tripwire. Why they call it a tripwire, I don't quite know, but that's what it's called. The tripwire being it's tripping you, it's stopping you from closing the browser because it's asking you to do something else, which is essentially buy this $17 product or add on this bolt on for $200, etc. That is a sales funnel, absolutely but it's only one type of sales funnel. I tend not to work on those types of sales funnel for the simple reason that people have become wise to it. And what you're asking them to do and invest in doesn't equate to the value you've given them because you haven't given them any value yet. So essentially all they have done is seen your offer, whatever it might be, let's say it's an ebook, 10 steps to starting a business, not the greatest of ebooks to launch, but let's use that as an example. Then if you fill in your name and your email address in return to getting that particular ebook and then are faced with an offer to buy something for $17, let's say a toolkit to start your business, you haven't actually built any no like or trust with that person. You haven't actually given them anything of value. They don't know you from Adam. So selling a $17 product actually becomes something that's quite difficult. And then being able to build that no like trust and that emotional connection with them after that point is also quite difficult. So with the way I look at doing sales funnels is whether it's a quiz, whether it's an ebook, a checklist, you know, a cheat sheet, a swipe file, whatever it might be that you're offering, that is just a means to an end. That is a way to simply collect a name and email address 
to then begin the hard work within the funnel, which is building that emotional connection, which is using your fab factor, that je ne sais quoi, that thing that is completely unique to you that nobody else can copy, nobody else can use. It is something that makes you, you. So essentially, it's embracing your personality. It's injecting that into every part of what you do to get to the point with people where you either attract them or you repel them. And if you attract them, fantastic. That was the idea. But in this day and age, it's actually really hard to just simply sell to somebody who is what we essentially call a cold lead. They need to have right now, it's something like 14 touch points with you before they'll actually trust you enough to even get on a call with you, let alone buy something from you. So the way I use sales funnels is very much about the nurture process. That beginning point, whatever it is that you're offering them, absolutely, that is an important stage of it. It has to give them a quick win. It has to be something of value and it has to be actionable. Otherwise, they're not going to use it. They're not going to, you've already blown it before you've even got them onto the email list. You know, although they're on there on your email list, you know, that first delivery point has to be something that is a quick win, actionable and of value. Okay. So you rattle off a few examples a few moments ago, or like just sort of rapid fire suggestions. Let's kind of dig into that a little bit more from your experience doing it, you know, yourself with the courses that you do. And also when you've been consulting with other people, are there any kind of rules? Are there any sort of special considerations to make when you're putting together a lead magnet? What would you say are the primary things people need to think about before they put pen to paper or start tapping away on a keyboard? Okay, so any type of lead magnet that you're putting together needs to solve a problem. So when you go into business, you are providing a product or a service there is a solution for a problem that somebody has, whatever that might be. So if you're a health coach, for example, somebody might have dietary issues and therefore they're looking for a health coach. So it's always about problem solution. Now with a lead magnet, you're never trying to save the world or fix the world with one lead magnet. What you're trying to do is find a common problem that the majority of your audience has. So often your audience will fall into different segments. There'll be different things about different people within your audience, which they have problems with. But there's always a couple of overriding problems that you know are pretty much common to most people in your audience. You can never say everybody because it never quite works that way. But what you're looking for are those common problems. So one way to find this would be to look at your FAQs, for example. If you've put FAQs onto your website, then these are obviously frequently asked questions that you get from your audience on a regular basis. So which one or two of those would be something that would work for most of the people in your audience? Another way to look at this, if it's not FAQs, would be to do a mine of your inbox. What questions do you receive on a regular basis? I probably do a mine of my inbox at least every couple of months. I do it for several reasons, subject lines being one of them, but also to see if there's any new things that are popping up on a regular basis. What are people asking me? If you have a Facebook group or if you belong to other people's Facebook groups that have your ideal clients sat within them 
what are the common problems that they have? What are the questions that they're asking on a regular basis? Another way to do this is if you don't have a particularly large audience at the moment, then run a poll on Instagram stories. You know, have a stab in the dark at what you think it is that your audience is having a problem with, because you should know this. You know, if you are providing a solution, which as we've said, your product or your service is doing, it is providing a solution to something, then you should know what are the common problems my audience are facing. So if you're not sure which one is maybe the most popular one that is recurring more than others, run a poll on it. Ask people, ask your audience. I don't think people ask their audience enough times and your audience are the ones that have the gold. They're the ones that have that amazing insight because they're the ones that need your services. And you know what's really interesting? And this is something I found is the way I describe what I do is so often not the way my audience describe what I do. And so by going through these steps, you really start to understand the problems your audience have got. So bringing that back to the lead magnet, your lead magnet should only ever be trying to solve one problem. Do not try and solve more than one thing. With anything like this, it's always one problem, one call to action, because you don't want to confuse things. As I said right at the start, you're not trying to solve every single issue that your audience has. You're picking on one of the most popular ones that you know is going to be something that most people have asked the question about previously. And then your lead magnet needs to solve that problem. Now, that could be in several different ways. As I mentioned, there's lots of different lead magnets that you can create. Some are more popular than others. And it really depends on the type of business you've got as to which one I would recommend. But one thing I will say about lead magnets right now, and this kind of comes down to how short people's attention spans are, is the quicker they can have a win from it, the quicker they can consume it, the better. We're all time poor. We all have the attention span of a flea right now. You just think the way we flick through Instagram. We need something that's going to give us instant gratification. So creating a guide that's 50 pages long is never going to work. Unless, of course, you know that your audience are ones that like to dive deep into absolutely everything. But generally speaking, most people's audiences aren't like that at the point of which they're just discovering this person. So that's something to bear in mind. So things like cheat sheets, swipe files, checklists do very well. The lead magnet that has done the best for this year and is set to do really well for the next few years is most definitely the quiz. Why? Because it's easy. It gives a quick win and people love taking quizzes. You know, we've all done it. You know, what Harry Potter house do you belong to? You know, we've all done those BuzzFeed quizzes. So we are primed to do things like that. Absolutely. And I'm very much a Slytherin. So <laughs> I'm Ravenclaw, but there you go. I there wanted to go. be in Gryffindor, but it never happened. So <laughs> I quite fancy myself as a Hufflepuff, but there we go. So it's interesting because you remind me of, I remember being on a Zoom call, I think it was, like one of these like massive kind of Zoom calls that like thousands of people yeah. are on it, right? And it was with the, I think it was the CEO of, I believe it was Lead Pages, but it might not have been, all right? But it, okay. I think it was Lead yeah. Pages, right? And he basically was giving just some kind of uh, briefing or whatever to customers. And then I'm going back at least three years, right? It's only two or three yeah. years. 
And he was saying that they ran a number of different tests. And yeah. one of the things that they did, just to kind of substantiate their own marketing, was they offered a quiz, like a short quiz of, you know, yeah. what kind of landing page works best for you or whatever it is, yeah. right? And then another one was to have a, you know, fill in a form to have a free 20, 30 minute training, you know, being one of, I think like five people or 10 people on a training course with 15, 20 minute training course with the CEO of Lead Pages, if it wasn't valid Lead Pages, right? And when they put these things out there, they were certain that the training course was going to completely outperform the quiz. And the reverse mm-hmm. was true. It was something yeah. like it was the quiz outperformed the training by like nine or 10 times. And what <laughs> they said was it became this verified a theory that they had, which was the highest performing lead magnets are ones where it's a tool you can use now and a skill yeah. you can learn for later, which that's, absolutely resonates with what you were saying. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, we do both. So in a, a similar way to how, if it was lead pages, we're offering the training. We do a similar thing. We have an evergreen webinar. We have a five-day training thing that we do where we bring everybody into a pop-up Facebook group for like 12 days and we deliver three days of pre-training, five days of actual training, and then sell for four or five days afterwards, close the group and Bob's your uncle, it's all done. So we do that. But generally speaking, we still use the quiz to funnel people into that. So one of the great things about a quiz is its ability to be able to segment your audience apart from anything else. You can immediately give value within your quiz results. So something you have to think about if you do decide that you want to do a quiz is my biggest tip I can give you is you start from the end and work backwards. So you need to know what the results are that you're going to be offering people because within those results is where the power lies. So those results are completely tailored to a particular personality type, if it's a personality quiz that we're doing, but let's say for argument's sake it is, because they tend to be the most popular ones. So it might be, let's say that you are a copywriter of some description, and you're trying to find out what type of content creator your audience is, because they would want to hire a copywriter. Then it might be that you are four different types of personality when it comes to creating content. So you would then create results that are personalized to that content personality type for each of those results. So that in itself is powerful because people can tell that it has been completely and utterly tailored for their personality types. And what you're doing there is giving people those aha moments that, oh my gosh, she completely gets me. That's me. I do that. That is exactly what I do. Those are the type of feelings you're trying to create. Then as the results go further down, what you're then trying to do is to give them some quick wins for whatever it is that that personality type gets stuck on. You give them a solution that they can go away and implement straight away. And then, of course, the nurturing starts after that. But what it's also done, as I said, is given you as the quiz creator and the marketer the opportunity to be able to segment your audience, which means you can do very targeted marketing. So as they come into your funnel, first of all, their results are going to be different. Yes, they've gone to a results page, but we also use a method of having a results report 
which is more or less what was on the page, but a little bit more within the report that they can take away and read, because a lot of people do like to digest things after they've seen them. But then after that, the different emails that come through can be absolutely targeted to a particular personality type. So if you are the type of content creator, let's say, that likes to create batch create content, then you're going to resonate with various different tools that allow you to schedule that content, for example. However, if you're someone that absolutely hates it and posts on the fly, you're not going to be interested in that stuff. You're going to want to know tactics and strategies for stopping posting on the fly. So you can then target that information because you know so much more about your audience. And dependent upon the tools you use, you can actually take the information from the quiz and decide which answers you want to map into whatever CRM you use. So whichever email platform that you're using, you can go in and find out that information. So let's say, for example, if you had a sales team, or even if you didn't have a sales team and you're the one making the sales calls, before you have that call, you can actually look at information on that person and say, okay, we know this, this, and this about this person, which gives you more information to be able to go on with when you're having that call or sending that email or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. So that is part of the power of a quiz. That's amazing. And for somebody who may not have used quizzes before and wants to sort of capture that type of power, okay? Because when you're saying quiz, I'm still kind of thinking, you know, thumbing through a magazine and going, all oh, right, okay, yeah. Kind of <laughs> filling in with a pencil, right? So let's just go back to a Harry Potter example. If let's say you were going to market to you know, Gryffindor's different to Ravenclaw's and so on, right? I'm assuming that there is software out there that will help you do that to say or anyone that's Absolutely. answered this and this and this, that's the kind of person they are, okay? Are there any particular tools that you would recommend to someone that's just kind of starting out with this? Oh, definitely. Without a shadow of a doubt, interact all the way. And I have literally tried and tested, I think, nearly every single tool out there. And this is one that's been launched in the last three weeks. I have tested everyone out there. And I like interact for several different reasons. One, it's really simple to use. It is a drag and drop. They have amazing tutorials, which really, if you were a five-year-old, you could do it. So that in itself is a really good selling point, I think, because that's what puts a lot of people off is the tech. It can be really confusing if you're not that way inclined. The other thing I like about Interact is its ability to play nicely with other things. So you can integrate it really well. This is always a big consideration for me whenever I'm choosing any type of software is how can I make it work even better for me on automation without it going wrong? Now, I love Zapier. For those of you who don't know, Zapier is a piece of software that connects two other pieces of software together. But the problem with that is, is it's not a direct integration, meaning that there's a third person in there, Zapier, and that is open to things breaking and going wrong. Whereas when there is a direct integration, then there's less chance of things going wrong. In fact, it very rarely does go wrong if you've set it up correctly in the first place. And this is one of the things that Interact has going for it. It plays nicely with mm -hmm. other toys. <laughs> um, so you can do lots of funky things with a tool like Interact. And you can map your answers across into your chosen CRM, whether that's active campaign, infusion, soft, you know, which click funnels, whatever it is that you use, you can map that information across 
most of them are direct integration. So they've worked very hard at that. The other thing I like about them is they're still a relatively small company. You can email Josh, the founder, and he'll come back to you, which I think is just fab. I love that. They deal with some really, really big names. You know, Amy Porterfield, Jenna Kutcher, those people use Interact for their quizzes. So that gives you an idea as to the standard of the software. But like I say, you know, they're still relatively small and they're nice people to deal with. So that was probably a bit more information than you needed, but there you go. That's what I would recommend. <laughs> and I'm sure the people at Interact won't complain for this. Uh, uh, no, for this I little, highly doubt it. <laughs> so I must ask you, what is the fab factor? So the fab factor, what you have to think about right now is people don't want curated stuff. They don't want to feel like they're being sold to. They don't want to feel like they're dealing with somebody they don't know. If anybody is like me, I can't help myself. When I take my dog for a walk, I love looking in people's windows and then imagining what their life is like behind those windows and what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. It's about knowing the person behind a brand. So your fab factor is about encouraging you to find that thing that makes you, you. That thing, like I said, and I'm going to use a French phrase because I do live in France. I don't speak French, by the way. So this is about as much French as you're going to get out of me. But it's your je ne sais quoi. I it's the that thing means. that makes you, je ne sais quoi, it's that thing that makes you uniquely you. Doesn't Everyone mean knows what know. that means. <laughs> was that my terrible accent that meant you didn't know what I'm Je ne sais quoi literally means I don't know. Well, when you <laughs> flip it on its head, it is that yeah, thing that yeah, makes you you. Yeah. It is, absolutely. Yeah. So rather than using the X factor, I have the fab factor. And everybody's fab factor is different. So for example, mine is, or one of my parts of my fab factor is the fact that I absolutely love ABBA. I'm a complete and utter ABBA-holic. And I have little injections of ABBA references within a lot of stuff that I do. Now, if you're not an ABBA fan, you will find that annoying. I'm sure you would. But as I said earlier, when we were talking about attracting and repelling, one of the things your marketing should be doing, which is where your fab factor comes into play, is attracting the people that get you, understand you, feel like they know you, and repelling the ones that don't, because it's very hard to sell to people that don't connect with you. So your fab factor should make people feel like they could sit across the table from you in a cafe and have a coffee and cake with you or a glass of wine or whatever your, you know, your tipple of fancy might be. That's the idea, is that it helps them to build that no like trust factor create that emotional connection with you and also start to feel like you're the person that they want to work with because they get you, they understand you, you're similar to them. They've got things in common with you. Now, my fab factor is a little bit out there and I have other things that I include within it, like, for example, the fact that I love Downton Abbey and just am over the moon that there is a second movie coming out at Christmas yay. There's different things that I talk about on a regular basis. But where your power with your fab factor comes in is something like this. So ABBA, as we know, are doing a new album called Voyage. Yes. I received no less than 60 odd messages from people over that three or four day period of when ABBA made that announcement, telling me the first thing they thought of when they heard that announcement was me. Now, some of these people I didn't even know. I'd never heard of, but they're obviously part of my audience. That is the power of using your fab factor. It connects you to people. 
it makes them feel like they want to be part of whatever it is that you're offering. And I think a lot of people are almost scared to inject that bit of them for fear that people might be turned off by them. And I say, bring it on. If you don't like me, then you're not going to enjoy working with me. So let's not go down that road. Let's get all that out the way, first of all. So that is pretty much in a nutshell what it's all about, injecting your personality. You know what's so interesting is that so much of what you're talking about, as well as a sales automation, because to be honest, when I think of sales automation, I think of lead pages, click funnels. I think of clicking on a landing page, going two or three steps in, and then either buying it or not. Okay. What you're yeah. talking about, I think it's fascinating that sales automation and sales funnels is so much broader and longer than that. And what's interesting as well is you obviously won't know this, is that it hasn't dropped yet, but by the time this goes out, it will have. The previous probably two or three conversations that I've had that are on our episodes of this podcast are, are talking about similar themes, different aspects of it, but all yeah. joining together. In it. So marketing automation being one, sales automation being a second, and now this, talking about sales funnels, and they all complement one another beautifully. I mean, it really is kismet that literally <laughs> coming almost as a series of three, right? Maybe the next person will be talking about invoicing, who knows? Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But it's so amazing that all these things come together and have this commonality of the idea of you talked a number of times about no like and trust, which yeah. for most people will think, well, that's more of a marketing thing. And you're making the point that that's part of the extended sales funnel that you even mentioned, you know, the 14 touches. And that's similar to what somebody a couple of episodes ago talked about as the iceberg effect of the people that buy from you. If you look at your entire market, your entire market is represented as an iceberg. Only the little tip of the iceberg that's above the water are the people that are ready to buy now either because the timing's right or they're comfortable enough with you or whatever it is okay yeah the rest of them are your customers that are just not ready to buy now but by as you've said this constant consistent touch and in your world using the fab factor so it becomes more likable more relatable more trustable then you're accessing when they're ready to buy this other 90 odd percent of the iceberg and that's through those 14 or maybe 114 or a thousand of 14 touches absolutely and to give you an example of that within my digital course company which is called the wedding academy we've had people enroll with us after having been in our audience for two years and I always ask people when they come on board and become part of the academy you know what was it that finally brought you over the line when was that moment that you felt that you were ready and for a lot of them it was that they were nervous about being ripped off shall we say they didn't want to invest in something that wasn't going to be all it was cracked up to be i.e that marketing message was amazing but does it really live up to that in reality and every single time people say to me it was I loved receiving the emails we got every week because I have two emails that go out one is a story of some description for example I have one going out I send one on a Thursday and one on a Sunday and the one on a Sunday is always a business lesson that I've learned during the week but I somehow always managed to tie in with something that I've been doing to do with family my life here in France whatever it might be because that is all about building the no like trust factor it's about injecting my personality and my fab factor into it and people read those stories 
they click reply when I ask them to because they're building a relationship with me. So you kind of have to think of a sales funnel a bit like dating. You wouldn't marry someone on the first date. Well, I hope you wouldn't because you'd be a bit weird if you did. But generally speaking, there is a process we go through of dating. There's the first date where you don't eat spaghetti in case you spit it at somebody. Then you go on to the next date, you know, and then the next and then the next, et cetera, et cetera. And that's really what a sales funnel is. It's a series of dates. You are wooing your ideal client, but you're showing your personality. You're letting them know bit by bit who you are, what you love doing, what makes you tick, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very close analogy. It really is. <laughs> That's amazing. It really is amazing. So Kylie, what's next for you and for your businesses? Well, I'm about to launch my seven-figure quiz funnel course, which I'm really excited about. It's something I've been wanting to put together for a while. And it's like anything, until you are 100% sure of what you're doing and you've tested things within an inch of its life, you don't want to put it out there. And I feel like I now have enough case studies. I've done enough research. I've seen the power of quizzes. And now I just want to help other people do it because quizzes take work. And one thing I will leave your audience with is if you want a quick fix, lead magnet and sales funnel, a quiz is not the way to go. You've got to be willing to put in the time. Most of my quizzes will take me between two to three weeks to create over a number of hours because of the amount of work that goes into a really well thought out and put together quiz. But if you want to bring in leads on autopilot <laughs> and have conversion rates that go through the roof, then it is well worth doing. But it's not, again, like I say, it's not for the faint hearted. There is a bit of work involved. But yeah, I want to take people by the hand and show them how to do it. And is the enrollment open for that course yet? No, but it will be by the time this podcast comes out. So right. <laughs> we are not far off. So I will be giving you the link for that so that people will be able to enroll. But they can also take my quiz and find out their fab factor as well if they want to do that as a starting point right great stuff and all the links will be below or to the side or wherever podcast platform populates it so kylie if people wanted to reach out and work with you and really find their fab factor how can they go about doing it okay it's literally www.kylielang.com forward slash quiz and then you can see what this quiz funnel is all about get to know me through my emails and see what your fab factor is and that's kylie k-y-l-i-e lang l-a-n-g.com forward slash quiz that's the one okay and again we'll make sure that's in with the show notes as well kylie it's been an absolute joy chatting to you i've had a blast lovely. <laughs> i think it's very lovely that on a friday uh, we're recording this on a friday we've got two english people One's in France and one's in America, enjoying talking about sales funnels and all that's uh, all that's involved. It's been an absolute joy and pleasure talking to you. Kylie Lang, thank you so much for joining us here on the conference room. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I have really enjoyed chatting with you. Coming up next week on the conference room, I'll be talking to alternative finance expert, Michael Yasny. Alternative financing is every kind of financing a business can, can entertain for their business that is not including a bank line of credit. It can be factoring, it can be purchase order financing, it can be secondary loans, but it does not incorporate a line of credit from a bank. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you visit our website, theconferenceroompodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes plus links to the resources mentioned during the podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this, make sure you subscribe so that you're always the first to know 
when each episode is released. Also, please take the time to review the podcast so that more people who want to grow their businesses can find us. To talk about this or any other podcast, or in fact anything business-related whatsoever, find me on Twitter, at Simon Lader, or you can find me by searching for Simon Lader or Silesia Academy on Facebook or on LinkedIn. I'm always open to a conversation. Thanks for listening to The Conference Room. Until next time, keep talking.